0: G'day everyone. Welcome to episode twelve of the Spud Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Taylor. Last year I ate nothing but potatoes for the whole year and I lost a lot of weight and got healthy and dealt with my depression and things like that. And uh it gave me some sort of weird Z grade celebrity sort of uh status which I now leverage to get awesome people to talk to me on the podcast <laughs> and try to uh use what these awesome people know and have learned over their lives to help me improve my life even further and become a better person and hopefully by listening you guys can learn something and uh maybe improve your lives in some way too that's what i hope for anyway so this is episode 12 today we're talking with Matt Grills the tattoo runner adventures and activism himself Matt Grills uh I was lucky recently to be able to uh do some crewing and pacing of Matt when he took on the Down Under 135 the Southern Hemisphere's most gnarly grueling uh ultra endurance marathon. Uh it was uh, a really really incredible experience. Matt has uh become a new hero of mine as well as a friend and I I really learned a lot from running with him and watching him perform uh and I enjoyed uh this conversation as well and um it really has being a part of that down under 135 has really changed my outlook on not only uh what is possible as a as an athlete and as a person but just what is possible in life in general so uh I hope you guys get as much from this conversation as I did and as I continue to from, uh, from knowing Matt. All right. Before we get into it though, uh, it's coming into winter in Melbourne or in in Australia, sorry. Uh, and it's time to get organized with some warm clothes. My wife's company, the Dakery, go to the com is sponsoring this show, uh, if you want to get yourself into some of the world's comfiest and most beautiful works of art, then you can get these amazing track pants designed by artists, hand screen printed in Australia on organic cotton and bamboo. Uh, they're sustainable and comfortable and beautiful. So go and try them on. Get a pair. TheDaquery.com D A K K E R Y. Uh, also, you can. Find, you can follow Matt at uh, thejourneybagara.com and uh, also just look up Adventures and Activism online to find more information about Matt. A little bit more before we get into the episode, I'll just tell you how we met. We were, just, uh, we were talking online a little bit. Matt uh, reached out to me. He was interested in my story. I hadn't heard of Matt until he uh, reached out to me and wrote me a message and he was uh, interested and supportive of what I was doing and that was cool and we got chatting online a little bit. And then uh, he told me that he was coming down to run this crazy race, and a few days later after he told me that, I was walking with Mandy, and I said, uh, hey Mandy, I don't really know this Matt guy very well, but this sounds like a cool race. Do you think, maybe is it too forward of me to ask him if he wants me to crew for him? Do you think that would be a bit too much? I don't know him well enough to maybe ask that question, and Mandy said, hey, what, what, what does it matter? Just ask. You can, if he says no, it doesn't matter. Just Might as well just ask. So I thought, okay, I'll just ask. I'll see what happens. Maybe he'll have me crew for him. So I got home, sat down at the computer, ready to type a message. And what do you know, there's a message from Matt to me saying, hey, I need another crew member. Would you like to crew for me? <laughs> so uh, that was quite cool. So I ended up uh, going along and doing the crew thing. And uh, it, like I said, it was really uh, a life-changing weekend. And it was cool to be able to sit down with Matt and have this chat once we finished with with the weekend. Um, so have a listen. I hope you enjoy it and spud up. I almost forgot to tell you guys that uh, the sound goes a bit weird towards the end here. The last few minutes, I don't know what happened. I'm a I'm a total amateur here, and I'm doing this all by myself, so I don't know how to fix it either. But we had a, something went wrong, and I don't know what it was, but As a result, the last few minutes sound a bit funny with uh, some high-pitched voices and it's a bit sped up. Uh, I apologize for that, but there's nothing I can do about it. I hope you'll forgive me. Enjoy the conversation. Here we are. We're doing it. We're doing it. It's happening. Uh, so, Matt Grills, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. <laughs> uh, it was uh, actually before we start. My first question I ask everyone: Who is Matt Grills?
1: It's a complicated question. <laughs> it's a very complicated question. It's ever evolving. Yeah. Uh, at present, uh, Matt Grills is probably first and foremost uh, dad and husband and new business owner. Ultra runner, and probably a million other things in between, yeah. but I guess they're the three sort of main, um, yeah. yeah, driving forces at the moment.
0: Yeah, cool. That's uh, that's your priorities. I, I like it. It is. Um, all right. So you're uh, you're a quite an accomplished ultra runner, as uh, as we a lot of people know. Probably a lot of my listeners haven't heard of you. I'm guessing. So let's uh, let's find out a little bit about what makes you you. Um, so, you grew up in Bundy, born, and, born and bred Bun, Bundy, Bundy's Bundaberg, yeah, for, uh, Bundaberg, sort of central Queensland. It is. Uh, for the people that don't know. So, what was life like growing up, little country town? Uh, yeah, how, how was your childhood?
1: Mate, it was, um, I guess, pretty standard. I, I grew up mum and dad, uh, dad worked a lot um, to provide for us and then just me and my sister and went to school in bundy sort of had a pretty standard childhood played heaps of sport yeah. uh had heaps of different interests and tried my hand at a lot of different things i was um yeah loved all sports at school but out of school sort of really got into sort of extreme type sports or so like rollerblading and different stuff and um yeah so i had, i guess a pretty standard childhood apart from the fact that uh, when I was growing up, dad and I probably didn't see eye to eye much. He yeah. he liked to work and provide for us and then um, I sort of wanted him around a bit more. So, we butted heads a bit with that and as we'll probably get into, our relationships evolved a lot over the years. But yeah, yeah my, growing, my childhood was pretty standard made. Bundy's a pretty, uh, it was always a very small town feel and not a lot to do there. So, I really didn't like it when I was growing up. Uh, it's yep. cha- changed a lot. Probably a yeah. lot
0: of um, country kids can relate to that feeling. A lot of I've taught in a couple of country towns, mm. and uh, a lot of the kids just all they want to do is get finish school and leave town. Yeah, <laughs> and that's
1: pretty much what we all wanted to do as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So you said you played lots of sports, and um, you mentioned rollerblading, which I didn't know until just now but um you know you don't have the typical look of what people expect of a runner you do look more like someone who'd be into rollerblading or skateboarding or that sort of thing so interesting that you had a go at that yeah, yeah. what other kind of sport what other kind of sports are you into
1: uh at school played everything so um up there rugby leagues sort of big thing i enjoy but my school my high school only played union um so yeah uh in the footies i uh, then loved athletics um basically any type of athletics basketball uh yeah swimming everything i wasn't great at swimming but um yeah all the all the running events i loved i loved cross country in school um and yeah gave a go at anything i was i was reasonably good at most sports except sort of soccer and and stuff like that so yeah i had a crack at everything
0: yeah right yeah, it's pretty, I reckon. Again, having taught in um, in country schools myself, it's typical of a lot of kids, I reckon, in country country towns, there's not a lot to do, so kids end up playing every sport, and uh, probably that's why a lot of our sports stars tend to come from, you know, not always. Lots of people come from the city, but a lot of big sports stars tend to come from country towns. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it makes sense. Um, so apart from apart from that, like, what what kind of a kid were you? Were you, were you like you know, the jock or, you know, what what's, What? was your attitude to school and life as a kid?
1: And I, it's an interesting question. I, I never really fit in with anyone. Um, right. I was, I guess, from the outside, I sort of was a bit of a, I don't know if a jock's the right word. Because I, I played sport, I guess there was yeah. a bit of that stigma. But um, You
0: didn't see yourself that way though?
1: No, not yeah. so much. I mean, I yeah. was always trying to be different and into different things. Um I roll with sort of the kids that were uh getting into trouble and and drugs and drinking and partying and stuff but even though i did that uh and i sort of rebelled in my own way i never got into drinking or drugs or anything like that um and i think that was just another way for me to be a bit left of center uh so i was into alternative stuff i really got into music and punk and uh sort of Grunge type music, and then eventually yeah. into hardcore music and stuff. And so, music was a big part of when I was growing up as well. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I didn't really, I, I did, I looking back now, I probably find it, it's an interesting, as I said, an interesting question of where I actually fit in. I don't ever yeah. really fat, uh, fit in anyway. It was, yeah, sort of a yeah, mix yeah. of everything.
0: Well, what you said about, um, you know, trying to be different was, uh, it's interesting to me that that's sort of something that has been a part of you since being a young kid because you're a pretty different sort of individual now Hmm. and uh yeah it seems like you've just you've been that way for as long as you can remember or
1: you just always wanted
0: to do things differently
1: yeah and i don't i don't even know where that where that stem from like even funny things like i think when i don't have a lot of memories from when i was a kid but i remember even when i was like in cub scouts and scouts and stuff and having like pink shoelaces in my shoes (laughs) and like just weird stuff like that and yeah, I, I don't know where that come from. Um, whether it was my own form of rebellion, but yeah, always wanting to be different. And yeah, it, I, yeah, I, I can't really answer where yeah, that come so from.
0: No, no one, no role models in your life that are like pretty different people as well. It's
1: just no, not really. No, I think because it started from a young age. I mean, yeah. as time progressed, probably different musicians and um, probably played a pretty significant part of my my teenage years. But as a as a young fella, no, not really. I just. I don't know. I just always found myself a little bit, yeah. a little bit different.
0: Oh, cool! Yeah. It's, uh, well, yeah, the the being different continues, and it's good. It's it's one of the things I like about you, and uh, about all the people I speak to on this podcast is that I want to speak to people who do things differently and think differently. And uh, you know, I, I think that by talking to people that have uh, a different outlook on life, that can help me uh, to improve as a person as well. To just explore. Other ways of doing things differently. Yeah. So, yeah. That's no, cool. I respect that. Um, so, you finished school, went to Finland, another uh, different thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: how did that come about? Mate, that was basically, as you said, want to get out of town. Uh, I, all I wanted to do was leave town, um, move away, do my own thing. I was, uh, I was a bit of a, a mummy's boy growing up and, yeah. um, was pretty protected because I spent a lot of time with mum because um, I said dad worked a lot. But yeah, when I finished school, I wanted to was move away and either move to the city or I didn't really know. But I had the opportunity to go to to do an, a youth exchange. Um, so yeah, so I went to to Finland for a year and I really sort of see that as a year that I uh, really developed as a as a person and as a as a worldly point of view. Um, I really developed. Um, and got a lot of experience, some not great, uh, some good, but I think they were all beneficial in in who I am today. But I sort of feel like that was a time where I I really grew as as a person and a, as a an, an adult. Um, I turned eighteen while I was overseas. All right. Um, and then when I came back, I sort of I like what I like to say, I got my life sorted out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a really big development sort of year and. A year i guess to be on my own and not that i was completely fending for myself because i was with a family over there uh that i lived with for the whole year but yeah just experienced a lot of different stuff that i hadn't before
0: yeah well growing up in a little country town well not that Bundaberg's a big country town really but you know you'd, you'd have sort of a blinkered view of the world i guess and you know seeing everything through the the eyes of Bundaberg. so um yeah, to, to get out of that sort of comfort zone that you grew up in is a,
1: yeah, it's a it's a bold move. It and, was and, yeah. and even travel, mate, like we traveled a bit when I was a kid, but to be able to go overseas and to a country that was completely foreign, like I left Brisbane, it was like in the 30s and went to Finland, it was minus whatever. And yeah. they do the three months of darkness and three months of light yeah. and even living in that, you know, like completely foreign environment and yeah, it was a great experience.
0: Yeah, cool. And uh, uh, no doubt it had some part in shaping who you are. Um, and yeah, just again, that idea of something, again, another theme, I guess, that runs through your life is getting outside the comfort zone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, doing things differently, getting outside the comfort zone. I like that. So, mm. um, so you get back from Finland and then uh, looking through your, your website, I saw, there's not a lot of information there, but you did talk about touring uh, with, with music. Yeah. So, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, when I was over there, I, um, that was an interesting how all that happened as well because I grew up uh, oh, even I though I... To ask,
0: sorry to interrupt, but I forgot right. to ask you if you speak Finnish.
1: Oh, very little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty lazy.
0: Because we've got a girl living with us at the moment who's Finnish. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, a... very little. Yeah. yeah, okay. And my my I'm, my little boy is three three and a half years old. And he knows more
1: Finnish than me now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a can... very hard language to learn. Um, but yeah, I was pretty lazy. Most people yeah. under the age of fifty speak English, so yeah, it was yeah. a bit like that
0: in Holland. I lived in Holland for three years, and um, yeah, everyone I met wanted to talk
1: English. Didn't yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So yeah, back to back to music.
1: Yeah, so um, uh, growing up with mum, we we grew up uh, going to church and stuff, and um, she really tried to um, to lead us um, down that path, and. Uh, which was great. She had good intention, but I really wasn't all that interested. And when I went overseas, as I said, I sort of was a good uh, worldly experience, if you if you want to put it like that. Mm. And I um yeah probably got up to a lot of mischief that I shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and towards the end of the year, I I sort of had this opportunity to join this um, this youth uh, touring band that was organised through a through a church on the Gold Coast, and to go into schools and play music and just share my life story and not that it was a big story by that stage but uh yeah and and I sort of deferred that for a year and towards the end of the year mum was like putting the pressure on you know you're gonna do this you're gonna do this she wanted me to do it and I was like (laughs) to be perfectly honest I remember thinking I was like I don't really care about all the church stuff I just wanted to play music and tour and I was like seemed like a good idea to do that Yeah, yeah so I come back probably I didn't have good motivation to to join but um you know, i think there was a higher calling and all that and yeah. i came back and and there was a period of a couple of months of training where we um you yeah, know learned songs and music but also yeah. uh like spiritual development and personal development sort of stuff and that's where i really um got back in connection or started my real connection with my faith and christianity and yeah. uh and that journey as well so yeah so uh, i did that that was for a year so as i said toured around and played in high schools and Got billeted out and lived in different houses, and that was all all around Australia for a whole year. Yeah, cool. Uh, which was yeah a great experience, and got to chat to some kids, and hopefully have a bit of an impact on on their lives. And and then yeah, after that 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 was sort of the start of my sort of I had bands and stuff in high school, which were just sort of hack cover bands, yeah. and you know, but that was sort of the start of a real uh, vision to want to start a, a real band and tour. Yeah. And yeah,
0: cool. And what what did you play?
1: Uh, in that band, I was singing and playing a bit of guitar, and yeah, yeah and and I was sort of the main public speaker, so that was yeah. that was really good experience too, yeah. just talking to high school kids every day, and yeah,
0: yeah, all right. And you've mentioned spirituality and your faith, and all. is that something that still plays a big part in your life today? Or it is, mate. It's yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's the most important thing to us. So that should have come before, yeah, you know, in the in the list of things. So yeah, yeah we're still actively involved in a in a little new church in in Bagara where okay. I live. Um, and think it's really important for especially for my kids and our in our personal development and it's been really interesting like i again the whole different theme um i i definitely have my my faith and my beliefs rooted in in christianity but yeah. i'm i'm very i love listening to uh different podcasts and reading different people's philosophies and ideas and uh you know thoughts about life and and spiritual yeah. things and yeah so it's it's that's been an interesting process but yeah, yeah we're still definitely actively involved and yeah and yeah. love contributing in that way and in any way we can we still play a little bit of music in our in yeah. our local church oh, cool. and, yeah. yeah yeah still so the hardcore sort of no no no, no, <laughs> no no very very mild mate and very yeah. relaxed yeah. yeah what
0: sort of music do you play now
1: uh, oh no it's just at just a church mate yeah so oh, okay. it's, yeah. yeah just so not in any
0: band no 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 i don't have time yeah. now yeah fair enough yeah yeah now, it's interesting uh, what you say about just exploring and being open to um, other faiths and sort of spirituality type of things like I, I I'm atheist um, but I you know I, I like listening to your thoughts on spirituality I like listening to guys like John Joseph talking about mm. his um, Hare Krishna kind of stuff and I'm interested in Buddhism and you know I think we've got a lot to learn from religion uh, all different types of religions and spirituality and everything like we can we can take bits and pieces from uh from all areas and yeah that's
1: cool yeah I think oh. the, I think the days of you know in the end mate it's uh you know I believe what I believe but I think most uh religions and beliefs st- structures is, are based around love you know and yeah as long as you have love and tolerance and I think that's a really important factor in in anyone's life regardless of their religious ideas and beliefs and yeah
0: yeah well that's a perfect way to put it it's all about love share the love and let's uh you know help make a a more peaceful and happier world and you know whether you do that through christianity or buddhism or Hare krishna or atheism or whatever it is it's just you know we're all trying to achieve the same thing so yeah yeah, it's good that we can be open-minded and work together for it (laughs) for sure um so you after you, you're touring you got married pretty young and and this is uh, you know there's a few themes that I see in your life there's that doing things differently there's um, there's doing uh, there's going outside your comfort zone and there's doing things that are against the odds and this is something for me that is you know, big time against the odds you got married young and uh, and you're still going that's like that's a, an incredible effort so how tell us about that yeah so
1: there. I actually met um, my wife through some mutual friends uh, just, but literally, when I just got back from overseas, uh, and I um, I just about to start the the touring band, and I I spoke to her on the phone and met up with her, and our first date was we went to a to a gig uh, in Brisbane, and we we dated that whole year that I toured, and it was pretty rough. Like I probably saw her for a month uh, yeah. in the whole year. Um, and so we back in that back in those days mate we wrote letters uh which was really cool so you know letters backwards and forwards and um spoke on the phone on the days where you know you're on uh, caps with phone plans so it'd be like the 20 minute each night (laughs) and then you know she'd call me and so yeah so we sort of developed our relationship by distance i guess and then uh when i finished the band we moved back to bundy for a little bit um and it to be honest at at the start it was a bit it was a bit tough because we'd gone from not seeing each other to you know seeing each other all the time and um we worked for a bit and and try to get some money together and uh, eventually we got married when we were, i was uh, 19 and tegan was 18 um and yeah it's been it's been an interesting uh relationship in that we've we've really grown up together so when we got married we moved to brisbane and i was pretty naive i'd never been in a I guess a a real relationship I've been in plenty of uh, relationships but not teenage relationships (laughs) yeah 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 plenty of those but no real relationship where I've had to contribute and stuff and for the first couple of years I I was a pretty ordinary husband and you know doing my band thing we basically moved to Brisbane because I wanted to start a a hardcore band and um, I'd just take off on tour and didn't do much and uh, over the years I sort of learned that you know if it's going to work then I need to pull my weight so that's been really, yeah, we and we've grown up and we've gone through lots of different, um, it's like a, you know, it'd probably be like a river, you know, it's going down <laughs> and through different rocks and good times and bad times and not that we've had yeah. a lot of bad times, but it's, it's been a really interesting process of growing up together and we've been married for 15 years this year. So, yeah, it's, it's, it really has been a growing experience yeah. together.
0: Yeah. I like that you say you're growing up together because, mm. uh, you know, that's, that's what it is. In, I'm sure, you know, it's 15 years later, you're both very different people than you were when you got married. Yeah. But you're still, you know, you're growing
1: you're growing up together and, you know, still finding ways to make it work. Yeah. It's so. it's funny, people some people sort of see us now and I look the way I look, Tegan sorta of, she's she used to look a lot different, but now yeah. she's a hairdresser and yeah. um and we sort of look quite different, but uh you know, I couldn't imagine life without her now. Like we're, you know, 15 years is is a long time to spend with someone and it's we've really grown a close bond and you know you do life together and to try and imagine doing it without her uh, especially with our kids and that now it's yeah it's it's hard to imagine so although we might not be into exactly the same things or uh, look the same you know it's it's really worked well and we've always um, made it work and it takes hard work but yeah. i mean that's what it's all about
0: yeah it's, well, it's about a lot more i think than what your interests are or um how you look or any of that there you know, those are superficial things to me it's about whether you, if you share the same sort of core values and yeah. um you know your same beliefs and that's not like necessarily spiritual beliefs just beliefs about you know what what uh how people should be treated how you should treat each other how what sort of upbringing you want your kids to have all these sorts of things if you share that sort of core beliefs then things can work out Mm. you know I'm sure you probably couldn't have done you know what you've done in ultra running for example without without support from from your wife so
1: she's a she's a very tolerant lady Uh, (laughs) I look back on some of the things that I've sort of not put her through but some of the stuff that I've done and it would and I can take a bit of a world view on it now and she's she's been really tolerant and understanding. And I, <laughs> my personality is very, uh, I have these big ideas and uh, most of the time yeah. she just spends shaking her head and <laughs> here we go again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's been super tolerant understanding and supportive and especially as you said, with the running and like that's, it's a big commitment and she's mm. been really great through all that, but skipping ahead a little bit, but yeah. yeah.
0: That's yeah. right, yeah. No, I, I can relate to all that as, you know, when, Beginning of last year or end of 2015, when I went to my wife and said, Hey, I'm gonna eat nothing but potatoes for a year. She said, "No, oh, yeah, okay, easy, no worries, do what you gotta do. That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's all good. So, uh, so then on to the the uh, police force, it's uh, I was I was a surprise to me when I read about that because you know, it's, it's again you don't look like the typical cop yeah (laughs) yeah and it's it's i guess it's my own fault like i shouldn't be judging a book by its cover but it's hard not to isn't it yeah that's right so you know i don't look at someone like you and i don't you know you think oh probably you know probably uh pretty hardcore kind of personality which you obviously are in some ways but um you know probably into partying and you know drugs or whatever not necessarily drugs but you know just uh, a bit of a wild man, and uh, you know it's not the yeah. Everyone everyone judges people. Of course, you yeah, can't, yeah. You can't help it, but um, yeah. yeah. The last thing I would have picked was that you would have been a cop. Anyway, put it that way. So Yeah. yeah so how did how's how's that?
1: Well, probably going? probably before that, um, one of the big parts of uh, of life for me was um, when we did move to Brisbane and started. I found some guys and started uh, my band there. That was probably um, a big sort of five-year chunk of my life that was it was awesome and like you know we moved there and i didn't know anyone and i just was like i want to start like a christian hardcore band yeah well, and band,
0: by the way is it anyone i would have heard of uh, like, i
1: was called um slain of myself oh, so yeah. yeah yeah so you probably wouldn't have heard us no, but we're I've like yeah maybe. we're like super heavy yeah. and we just paid we didn't we didn't play like any like christian shows or anything like that it wasn't yeah. what it was about we yeah. wanted we played in pubs and with yeah. all different bands and it's funny i look back now because we play with bands like parkway drive and amity affliction oh really that, yeah wow. yeah that like a massive bands now yeah yeah
0: i know those guys yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so we well, when we first started like we were playing with amity affliction a bit um in brizzy and the hardcore scene there and, and parkway used to come up from byron and so yeah so we played like we we were playing around the time those guys all started yeah unreal um yeah, which was cool. And, you know, we did that for five years. And then, uh, sort of towards the end, I, I'd, I'd done a few jobs and, so sort of, I wouldn't call dead end jobs, but jobs where I was easier to tour and, um, you know, practice till two in the morning and not yeah. have to, you know, just factory top jobs and whatever. And I decided that I sort of wanted to get a career. Uh, originally I'd applied for the, for the Fireys and got through all the application process and, um, I'm not sure what I even what even drew me to that, uh, apart from wanting to help people and and this is a bit of a cliche, but to make a bit of a difference and yeah. um, still something that I want to do. Uh, but I got through all the process and waited and waited and waited for an interview and uh, it was just taking too long. It was like a year and a half I was waiting for an interview, so I decided to oh, that long. Yeah, yeah. So I was calling every month. It's really competitive uh, to That's get in a the forest. Yeah, I it's a massive realize. process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and just had enough of waiting and basically decided to apply for the police. And um, again, I don't really know where that, that came from apart from the, the same reasons as the fireys, yeah. um, sort of a stable career and something that we, we were sort of ready to start a family and move back to, to Bundy at that point because mum and dad are there and i sort of saw that as a way that we could do that and have a career and because i didn't have a trade or anything like yeah, that
0: yeah. is tegan originally from bundy too no she's yeah.
1: from uh mid-coast new south wales okay, yeah 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 so yeah so i went through the process and got in uh and worked in in bundy uh as a couple for five years but it was interesting because yeah. i mean i'm covered in tattoos and yeah yeah you, know, you said that stereotype uh yeah well, you're interesting
0: you the stereotype of what the cops are usually chasing yeah you know, exactly right <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah and I, and I mean that's followed me even now i think my personality i you know i think i'm a pretty happy uh and loving guy and whatever and some people sort of see me in their initial reaction is you know whatever it is but
0: yeah for someone who's not quite as open-minded as as I like to consider myself to be it would be yeah. hard for people to get past the stereotype of you know judging the book by its cover I imagine yeah. yeah so it would have been interesting I reckon as a cop trying to convince people that
1: you're one of the good guys yeah <laughs> it was it was and I mean I used to wear long sleeves like yeah because by choice not because I was forced to but yeah. you know there there was a bit of backlash from different people and you yeah. know yeah is it was interesting, but yeah, I, it's really funny when I think about it now. And my wife and I, yeah. we we laugh about it because like, yeah. how did that even happen? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so far from the personality that I am now and yeah. and the person I am now. But I mean, I enjoyed it while I was there, but um, essentially, I left. I didn't I didn't like who I was becoming because of the job. Yeah. Uh, it's as I'm sure most can imagine. <laughs> um, mate, you're dealing with sort of the one or two percent of the worst of society. Yeah, all day, every day. Uh, and although I had good people around me and good uh outlets to to try and balance that it does affect you and it was affecting the way that i was um looking after my kids and treating okay. them and i didn't like that i didn't like the the shift work was hard uh, with kids because we'd started to have kids then and yeah yeah so and and it's definitely not something that i wanted to do long term and and in turn because you're dealing with the worst of the worst all day every day most of the the police officers are also very negative and hate the world and so you're going from a bad situation to a bad yeah. situation and yeah it's pretty rough so i i didn't want to be in that environment anymore it yeah. was and it was a really big decision to leave because i i didn't have anything really to go to um but yeah ultimately made the decision to go yeah and, okay
0: yeah. yeah well it makes sense i guess if you spend your days dealing with you know for want of a better word, the scum of society, yeah. um, then it, it would cloud the way you, you view things, I guess. And yeah. Another thing, another thought I had about you as a cop, you know, you, you're you this guy that likes to do things differently. You're outside the box. Um, I imagine you just, again, it's just a, ju- a quick judgment of, um, you know, the limited knowledge I have of you, but I imagine you, you're probably not someone that deals well with authority. So I don't know. Is that, was
1: that, something you know you got to take orders as a cop is that yeah look i know that it's no, that, that's, that's a fair um that's a fair assumption but probably completely the opposite yeah okay yeah i i've never um maybe it's with the way that i look i like to be able to do what i want yeah but if it comes like in the police like when it come down to it like i respect it 100 respected the rank and i used to yeah, get okay. really oh, cranky with the guys at the academy that would question when they were told to do something, I'm just like, just do what you're told. It's not hard. Like I don't have... When it comes to stuff like that, uh, I never had a problem following authority. And when I was in the job, if uh, if a senior officer told you to do something, it was, you know, yes, Sergeant, no, you don't ask questions. And yeah, so it's a fair assumption, but no, I, with some things, yeah, probably like, as I said, the way I look at that, I like to be able to do what I want. But when it comes to uh, risk probably more a matter of respect than anything yeah okay. um, yeah, yeah I, I had no problem with that so yeah
0: all right. oh, well
1: that's that's interesting
0: it's yeah. a it's a, nuanced, a yeah. nuanced character yeah 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 <laughs> yeah all right so uh so we're moving on to running then you obviously you were in you know, we had to get there at some point didn't yeah we? But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a story to get <laughs> yeah, there so yeah but, but uh you know you're into sports at school and all these different sports that you tried how did how did running become the thing right where did that come from
1: yeah, well, as I said, I enjoyed cross country and stuff when I was in school, and and any sport involving running. I mean, that's most sports, but uh, I really did enjoy. I, I as I said, I don't remember a lot from my childhood, but I do remember cross country and and the hurt and the. I used to have a good rivalry with one guy at school, and um, you from know, the same school or yeah, from you- the same school. Yeah. yeah, we used to compete quite hard together, yeah. and so I remember that. But when I was in the band and different stuff, I I really got into the gym and. Put on a significant amount of weight and got pretty big. Yeah, I Um, saw a
0: a picture of you after you'd finished your first marathon. Yeah, very different looking bloke there. Yeah, Yeah. so I got up to like
1: 103 kilos of pretty much ball of muscle. And yeah, uh, but even while that that would have
0: made you that look, um, you know, even more of a scary kind of guy. Yeah, you got all that muscle on you as well to go with all the tats and everything. It probably helped in the police. So, (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: um. Yeah, they used to call me the smiling assassin when I come <laughs> into the when I come into the watch house with the crooks because they'd be oh, yeah. carrying on and I'm just smiling away. <laughs> but uh side point. But yeah, no. So, um even when I was in the gym and that, I always liked to run a little bit. Uh, it wasn't always easy when you weigh that much, but yeah. I always liked to. I didn't see the point of just lifting weights and not being able to run down the street. Um, but yeah, I a uh, part of part of the story with my old man, like we, um as I said, we didn't have a great relationship growing up, but when I went overseas and started traveling around, I think he sort of started to realize that uh, he needed to probably do some work on our relationship and, and try and mend that. And, and I grew up a lot and probably got rid of a lot of those teenage, angry, you know, don't like my dad sort of feelings yeah. um, and started to change the way that I behaved with, with my dad and the way that we worked on our relationship as well. So, when I when I was overseas, he actually started to get into running uh, he's always been really fit as well. He played footy for like 15 years and then touch footy yeah. and um, he started to get into running and I, I respected that. Not that it was something that I ever wanted to do, but for whatever reason, um, at some point I I decided, well, it was actually uh, this year, it was 10 years ago uh, that I decided um, that I try and do something with my dad and, yeah. and told him that I wanted to run a marathon and he made me up a program and, Trained right. for my first marathon and nearly freaking kill me, <laughs> uh, and and ran a marathon with with my dad uh, in Toowoomba uh, in I think it was October of um, 2007, so yes, yeah, so 10 years ago this year. Yeah, so right. Yeah.
0: Well, obviously your, your relationship has changed hugely. I, I spoke to your dad briefly on the phone with Kevy in the car while we were crewing for you at the race a few days ago, and you know I heard you talk to talk with him on the phone and so obviously i can tell that it you know you're very close now so do you think running played a part then in in building those bridges and mate it played yeah. it
1: played a massive part yeah, yeah like as i said we started to we started to get closer when i got back from overseas yeah um but running definitely played a significant part in in us sort of mending out um broken bridges or whatever and uh, and getting close together It gave us a common ground to to um to build off i guess and you know when you're running you know we used to train even when i was in brisbane and but particularly when i went home we trained a fair bit together and you know you just get you just get to talk when you run and when you are running for for a long time and so we spent a lot of time just chatting and yeah really formed a good relationship off off the back of running
0: yeah that's good Mm. um so I find it interesting in your uh, in your about me section of your website the the next bit that we get to you describe as a as a small hiccup uh, in your yeah. in your journey about this uh, this tumor that you developed and uh, anyway it seems like a bit more than a hiccup to me so yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah, well,
1: so when. Uh it was actually when I just joined the police. So, it was sort of oh, yeah. a little bit in the timeline. Yeah, I just joined the police. It was towards the end of my first year. Oh, okay. Um, and we'd moved back to Bundy. Um, yep. So, I'd started running by that point um, and uh, a series of things through the years and then my doctor eventually picked it up that I uh, through some scans and blood tests and stuff that I had a pituitary tumor. So, basically, yeah. Yeah, like the base of your brain. Yeah. Um, and it was benign, which was good, uh, but okay. it was quite it was quite big, and I I didn't even know, but I'd lost peripheral vision on my oh, right hand uh, side. All right, yeah, and it, essentially that type of tumor if it keeps on growing, it'll send you blind, and, and it will kill you in time. So, even though it was benign, it it had potential to go bad. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, and and thrown in the mix, we'd actually uh, fallen pregnant uh, during that time. We had oh. we had a lot of trouble, um, as I've mentioned here, a lot of trouble. Falling pregnant the first time, and due to the nature of the the tumor, it it affects your hormones, and I should have never been able to have kids um, during that time. So that was a little miracle, our first yeah. little daughter. So yeah, so I found out I had the tumor, and basically uh, they they sorted it out really quick and got it removed, and um and yeah, there was a lot of follow up, and still having yeah. follow up now years later, but um, all has been good since. But
0: yeah, so another uh another uh, against the odds kind of yeah part of, part of your story to uh to then you know a couple only a, a month or two later wasn't it you, you did another another run
1: yeah it was uh it was a really scary time time in my life and um you know it was major surgery obviously uh yeah brain surgery and seeing well,
0: what was there like a risk of of uh things going really bad or like- yeah
1: i mean the the neurosurgeon i got warned about before i yeah. went and saw him and he's yeah. one of the best in the country but yeah basically walked in and he's like yep we're gonna do this we're gonna take it out you can die you can be permanently <sighs> brain damaged rah, 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 mm-hmm. and i'm just like you know spun out yeah uh, so i mean there's a, an element of risk with any surgery near your brain obviously um and the risk of things going wrong afterwards with uh like you can get leakage from your brain and all this weird stuff, but Jeez. yeah, so it was it was scary. But we, uh, Dad and I, um, previous to that, Dad had had um, had prostate cancer, and we and we wanted to do a, a fundraising run um, to raise awareness and funds for for prostate cancer. Yeah. and we'd planned this run where we we're going to run from Bundy to Brisbane and back, uh, like in a tag team kind of thing, and that was uh, to be. It was only about six months after I had surgery. Uh, that soon, yeah. Wow. So I ran, I ran a half marathon. I think it was three months after, which probably Jeez. wasn't the smartest <laughs> thing I've ever done. But um, yeah, I think I think in a, in hindsight, it was probably good to have that goal to walk to work towards um, yeah. because the the uh, the recovery was pretty slow going. Like I remember, I was in intensive care, and then uh, when I went to the ward, they're like, "All right, you can start doing something." And I literally could walk around. The ward, which was probably fifty meters, and I remember getting back to my bed, and I was like just wrecked. And each day, I was like twice a day, I'd do one lap, and then I'd do two laps, yeah, and then right. do three laps, and yeah. So it was it was good to have a goal to work towards, and so it, yeah, to yeah. go from
0: that to a half marathon in a couple of months is yeah. I said so it probably wasn't the best idea,
1: <laughs> but yeah, it was it probably goes with the personality. Yeah, well, <laughs>
0: it's it's um yeah you done many more insane things since then so yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah well, i guess it's uh, it's just the way you roll eh <laughs> yeah mate yeah so that was my little hiccup yeah <laughs> um th- did that change your outlook on life at all then or did it change the way you think about anything like
1: yeah know? look i i don't i never really put two and two together and tegan's always been the one that has sort of pegged this as sort of a bit of a turning point but it was at that point that that i really uh, started to look at, I guess health and uh, and my long term wellness. Um, I don't I don't think it was really a specific catalyst, but maybe yeah. it was just like a thing in the background that just planted a seed. Yeah, mate. Yeah. So it was. I I'd read previously when I started to get into running about vegetarianism and um, even vegan runners and stuff, and that was like so far from where I was because yeah. when I was lifting weights, when I was like Four dozen eggs a week, yeah. <laughs> massive amounts of meat and yeah. dairy, and eat everything in sight. But then when I started again and running, you know, I was reading this stuff and um and yeah, it, it wasn't an instant thing, but I started to look more into that. Um, started to dabble with dropping dropping meat out of my diet, uh, out of my lifestyle was or my eating was pretty easy for me, uh, even though I used to eat a lot of it. Um, uh, so I sort of started to look at long-term health and and mm. um, optimal performance and uh, recovery for for long distance running yeah um, and the more that I read and the more that I researched the uh, vegan uh, vegetarian and then eventually I found a vegan diet was sort of from the research that I did was the optimal for that so yeah, okay. yeah that that uh, health scare probably as Tegan has you know has said it was probably the catalyst for that um, that process to really kick off.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, so, what sort of what was the research that you did then? What what was it that drove you in this direction of veganism?
1: Oh, it probably just started with, um, you know, even just reading like Runner's World, and every now and then oh, yeah. they'd put a little thing about oh, a vegetarian diet can help, and I know a lot of those statistics and those yeah. those quote unquote research studies are pretty yeah. ordinary, but you know, that sort of, again, that probably planted the seed and I've always been one to to really delve into things that, I think that's quite obvious, to delve yeah. into <laughs> things that I get into, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I just started reading. I mean, yeah. I, I bought books, um, read uh, journal articles, um, lots of different stuff. So, uh, you know, all the standard ones with forks over knives and yeah. the Engine 2 stuff and... Uh, and then started off those. Uh, even when I started listening to podcasts, hearing different um, people speak, and then buying their books and um, stuff that they recommend. So really, just buying books, reading, research, podcasts, um, different guests on those, and, and self experimentation. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So when I turned, uh, turned 30, I I had been leading up to it over a couple of years, but I decided that I'd officially cut meat out of my diet okay and then when i turned 31 i um i went vegan and that took a little bit of oh, time so it's only but... been a few years then yeah oh, so oh, i've yeah, been vegan a... for um for four years this year okay uh and yeah so so hey, you'd been running ultras before
0: you went vegan or
1: uh yeah so we i found out about ultra marathons through a lot of people uh have probably read the book um ultra marathon man by dean Canizzi's. Yeah, I've, I've read it yeah. yeah so that was really the catalyst for me like i rem- I'm a slow reader, and I read that book in two days. Man, it just blew yeah, my mind. Yeah. I remember just reading it, just laughing, and going to dad. I'm like, "You have to read this book. This yeah. guy's insane. He's nuts." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was really, and then again, my personality. I said, to "Dad, I'm like, you know, we gotta we gotta run some of these trail ultramarathons." And, yeah. Um, I was a little bit the same when I
0: read it. I was like, "Oh, I've got to go running." I went yeah. Running, but but I was I was too heavy, and I just hurt yeah. myself, and that that was the end of it. But um,
1: you know. Yeah, I mean, but, I was yeah. I was heavy too. Not probably in a different way to the, that you were yeah <laughs> um, and it definitely wasn't easy running long distances at the start like when we did the run to Brisbane and back I was still I was still a big unit then like yeah. I was still about 100 kilos yeah right um, yeah so it definitely wasn't easy at the start what are you wearing now then? Uh, low 80s okay um, yeah. yeah as I said to you in the you know still want to drop a bit of weight yet because yep. I'm quite solid for a runner yeah yeah. bigger um, than
0: probably the biggest runner that was there at uh, yeah. Can,
1: yeah 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 and I mean that's probably it's interesting because that can work as an advantage but a yeah, disadvantage as well that, yeah. yeah there's probably a couple of thoughts on it ultra marathon runners generally carry a little bit more weight because of yep. the amount of time that they that they're you know exerting energy yeah um, marathon. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah yeah that's yeah. right but um you know obviously the lighter you are it's like the old cycling thing you know power to weight ratio the lighter you are whilst maintaining your power is yeah. ideal so. especially if you're going up hills
0: like you were on the way yeah
1: yeah so i still i still want to lose a bit of weight yeah. yet but yeah. um yeah that's sort of that, again that's been a process so yeah, yeah. How i forgot you? what the question was oh, all, <laughs> I've, I've forgotten too. i've got okay. off track sorry yeah, no that's 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 all good
0: um as long as we're talking it's all good <laughs> yeah yeah that's right <laughs> um so did you notice like performance improvements or recovery improvements or anything like that well i guess you must have because you're stuck with it so
1: yeah what what was that uh, so originally I, I did get into into it for selfish reasons it was yeah. basically for health and for athletic performance so I definitely noticed yeah. a difference with the recovery um, I used to get a lot of particularly hip because I probably because I was heavy as well a lot of hip pain and um, just recovery seemed to take a long time and then when I dropped dropped meat from from my diet I really noticed a recovery difference like it was a lot quicker mm. uh, and then um, when I went vegan it was it was a bit harder for me because i have a real sweet tooth so dropping nice. dairy was really hard you know with chocolate and cheesecakes and yeah you know all that nasty stuff <laughs> that i probably shouldn't have been eating anyway but yeah so it wasn't i did notice some difference one big difference i noticed is i'm a bit fluy at the moment but i used to really suffer with sinus and yeah. um sinus problems and they basically all went away uh when i stopped yeah, right. having dairy um yeah, so there were a couple of big differences. My my reasons for staying vegan now have probably evolved, but originally it was for health and for for performance purposes. Yeah. And reading about guys like Scott Jurek and um, yeah, amazing. you know, yeah, that you know, seven time Western States winner, you know, on a vegan diet and yeah, yeah. So I know there's different trains of thoughts now, but you know, I think if you can do things in a sustainable way and and still perform, then, then yeah, why not? Yeah.
0: yeah, well, I was blown away on the weekend that so many of the runners there and the support crew and everything were vegan. Like, probably at least half the people I met and saw running were vegan. Yeah. And most of the food that was at the aid stations was vegan. It, it was like, I couldn't believe it. I was, I was yeah. sure that it was going to be like, a mostly paleo kind of community yeah but uh, I know obviously I know there are vegan vegan ultra runners like you mentioned Scott Durek and obviously yourself and there are others around but yeah I just I just felt like it would probably be if there was a- going to be any sort of dietary um, you know uh, thing that most people did I thought it would be paleo for sure yeah uh, it's, and i it's guess interesting. there are paleo people but yeah. um but yeah i couldn't believe that there were so many vegans there that was cool
1: yeah the whole high fat thing and um paleo and whatever it's uh it's got a bit of momentum at the moment in the ultra running community with you know burning fat over carbs and um you know again there's a whole heap of science on that and without yeah. going too much into that but uh for whatever reason yeah in in the ultra marathon community and trial running community there veganism is it is a big thing um and i'm not sure what that reason is whether it's like a a nature thing or mm. um you know trying to do what we can to preserve the world we live in and and ourselves and it's probably a performance thing as well uh that people that they have seen these studies and that especially with the whole information thing uh you know meat and dairy being so acidic uh and ultramarathon running obviously you have to train a lot and to be able to train you want to be able to recover quickly so if you reduce the amount of inflammation in your body and acid then that's only a good thing so yeah, yeah and it was it was a little bit exceptional there uh as i said to you before you know like you probably saw a bit of an extreme in a lot of regards at yeah, the yeah. race that you came out to but
0: it was an extreme event it sure. was an extreme <laughs> event
1: um in distance in train and also uh, a couple of the guys that organized the race are vegan yeah. um and one of the dudes that won he's predominantly raw um which is really cool like it's you know it's not that we ever seek validation because it's not about that but um it's it's just good to know that
0: it can be done it can
1: be done and also that um you know it can make a difference to other people as well and they recognize it and yeah yeah well uh back to the the idea of um you
0: know burning fat over carbs and whatever as far as i know correct me if i'm wrong but we don't have to get stuck in the science and everything but um it, it, it's more about the way you train rather than you know we if you're training in the right zone like they call it zone two as far as like i've heard rich roll talk about training in zone two um and that if you can do that and train your body to burn fat that way it's more about that rather than just eating lots of fat to burn fat am i right yeah
1: um, yeah so without getting bogged down in the science yeah. um uh, where rich probably is coming from um, the zone training it, it is used a little bit in running but it's more probably a triathlete uh, okay. type mentality with heart rate training and stuff but basically what he's getting at is you, you're training at a, at a heart rate that's not um, uh, anaerobic as opposed to aerobic yeah. uh, training yeah. um, so as long as you're you know in running a basic way to, to talk about it is conversational pace Yep. so you can run and hold a conversation so you're not spiking your heart rate you, you're running at a pace that is maintainable for a long time yep. um, and and I definitely utilize that in training like I because I train so early in the morning I never eat before I train um, so your body is naturally adapting to burning fat anyway yep. so I completely agree that you you don't have to eat saturated fat to, to burn fat yeah. <laughs> that's I mean your body, When you're doing high-intensity exercise for a long time, your body's burning. It is burning fat. It's burning like obviously, there's a combination of everything. But your brain and your body functions primarily on glycogen, so you need to be getting carbohydrates and you know to to keep your brain functioning, your body functioning. Um, Yeah. So it's it's a it's a heavy topic. And look, you know, if you look at the best runners in the world, um, they're subsiding on grains, whole grains and carbohydrates. Yeah, so go look at the canyons. That's it's, exactly that's, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's rice, sweet potatoes, potatoes funnily yeah. enough, <laughs> uh, you know, some vegetables and what meat they do eat. Uh, it's very, very small percentage yeah. of their diet. Um, yeah, and whether that's a, by necessity or uh, by choice, I don't think it really matters. They're the best runners in the world and yeah, that's yeah. what they're eating. That's so, it,
0: yeah. So it, obviously it, it can be done. And, uh, and it can be done at an elite level, more importantly. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah exactly. if, you, if you can do it, then why not? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so, um, anyway, we got off track a bit. I wanted to talk about the uh, the Run Man Run. Oh, yeah. To, to Brisbane. Yeah, we sort of talked about it a little bit, but this big run that you did for prostate cancer with your dad, how, how did that go?
1: Yeah, we, mate, it was fantastic. We, um, you know, we came up with the idea that we wanted to do something big and try and help out uh, and that's what we came up with so Bundy to Brisbane and back we decided to do uh town to town and we did the first five kilometers and the last five kilometers together each day and then whatever was in the middle we split so we did it over I think it was 17 days I can't can't quite remember now but we ended up running just over 500 kilometers each in that time it's amazing Uh, yeah and and it was a really good experience it was tough (laughs) worst time my wife was uh I think she was eight months pregnant. Oh. So, it was, it was rough times for her. Yeah, yeah. Um, was she support crew as well? She or? was, oh, yeah. Wow. But uh, it was, you know, being that pregnant begrudgingly a lot of the time, she yeah. got pretty cruel while we were away and it was really hard for her uh, and definitely wasn't the best timing. But, yeah, we managed to raise, I think it ended up being I think it ended up being around 25000 um right through our and it was it was hard going mate we had no corporate sponsors or anything like we were selling raffle tickets yeah. at one of the local pubs and you know so uh but it was a great experience and something i always remember that yeah i did with my old man and yeah it was still going yeah
0: it's uh you know another yeah it. there's another theme i'm thinking picking up on all these themes, but you know you've tried to get into the is to you know you said you wanted to try to make a difference make the world a better place same thing joining the cops and now you don't have those things in your life but you're you know finding other ways to try to make the world a better place so yeah is that something that you, keeps on going or yeah. it is
1: it is man and even more so now like i am you know i'm sure we'll get into this as well but we've recently just uh opened a, a new little cafe in in bagara near bundy and yeah, you know, like I, I love the whole cafe scene and and make in the process of making coffee and uh, and that and that side of things. But to me, uh, for me and my staff, the most important thing to us is is to try and help people to f- leave feeling better than they arrived. And yeah. and it sounds a bit cheesy, but I really that's no, great. Yeah, but I I really treasure and I and I try and emphasize to my staff that you know we're in such a unique situation where we can spend a minute to five minutes 10 minutes 20 minutes or some customers stay for hours each day with the same people and really impact their life in in a tangible way like some of those people would probably see us more than they see their families you know and to try and make a difference in their life in a positive way whether that's through running or health or just being an ear to listen um it's always sort of been a theme through through my life from you know the touring band to to now and but I think even more now it's it's really become a, a passion and something that that I really want to make important in my life.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I've I've uh, since doing my potato thing. I've uh, I've sort of got something in the back of my mind that maybe I'd like to have my own place where I could serve people potatoes. <laughs> I'd come and buy potatoes yeah, for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't been to your cafe, but I've seen photos. And it looks like, you know, you said some people hang around for hours. I reckon if I lived nearby, I'd be one of them. It looks like a nice place. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a little aside. But go and check it out if you're listening. Have a look online. And if especially if you're in Bagara or Bundaberg, go and uh, say good day. Yeah. Um, all right, so the uh you know run man run happens that seems like that's your first real um ultra sort of
1: yeah we done one but we done i think we did one before that but yeah that was the mate that was the big sort of first thing yeah Yeah.
0: so was that something that um you know did something click in your brain doing that and think i wonder how far i could go or like how was that
1: yeah i mean that's that's the endless pursuit you know um how far can you go and what kind of events can you do so yeah, that, that really was a bit of a catalyst to, you know, I just started researching races and there's there were nowhere near as many races then as there are now, um, but started researching where races were. There was a good series on the Sunshine Coast for different distances and uh, just starting to enter them and, yeah. and learn about training, learn about the best type of training that worked for me um, and, yeah, just starting to enter events. So, a lot of them we did... Uh, as family, like as a family, like my family and mum and dad and a couple other close friends, we go away to different races all around Australia and yeah, but that was probably the catalyst to ticking off the, uh, the ultra expedition, if you will, of yeah yeah, how far can we go?
0: Yeah, with, so yeah, you've done heaps of events since then. Um, but it's, a, it's a, just a, it's a huge thing to just commit to running 100 miles or you know, 135 miles or whatever it is over any sort of terrain um is there you you mentioned dean carnazes and you mentioned scott durek is there anyone like sort of closer to you that maybe had uh, some sort of influence on your heading that way in life is it did you know someone that had done that
1: sort of thing or no i I didn't and that that's probably that was probably one of the lures you know yeah uh of not knowing if i could do it personally uh and not knowing anyone that had done it apart from people that I read about and and found out about. Um, So, yeah, so it was really a self-driven, you know, and finding these new events and these new terrains and it was a real and still is, but it's getting harder now that I've done quite a few events. But when you start, you know, every event is an unknown and you go into them and you do your best as far as training and preparation goes, but you never know if you're really going to finish. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So that that leads perfectly into my next question, actually, because you know, it sort of seems like a point in time came where even ultra marathons were maybe not enough. You know, yeah, so, possibly. Yeah, so uh, this super slam or grand slam, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is a pretty pretty big deal. And it was. So, it went yeah. south, but
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> it was. I.
0: I, I have two different um oh, before sorry before you start what is the super slam just oh, I was just
1: something yeah. I created yeah yeah so I I have two different um sort of avenues that I go in with my running so there's yeah. the organized races yeah which uh as as far as organization and turning up are easy because I mean you do the training you pay your entry fee you turn up and yeah. do it yeah uh, and then I have these other ideas and adventures that I that I plan uh which are self self organized um, as the run man run event was, um, mm-hmm. as the super slam was, uh, and as the, uh, the run in November I did was, but just, um, creating either a series of races or expedition type runs, um, that maybe haven't been done before or really push sort of my boundaries. So the super slam was an idea that I come up with was four 100 mile plus events in four months. Yeah. Um, and, again the timing wasn't good because we were starting we basically long story short we were looking for a location for our business for a year and found one and got the keys at the end of november which was three quarters of the way through what was to be the super slam so so i finished the first race i was pretty dusty i'd uh i had some trouble with nutrition in the first race um but finished the second one um went very bad uh it was I ended up in hospital with oh that was that one yeah Did that was that t- one yeah. T- t- about that, yeah yeah and then uh i'd sort of decided after that because we were opening the shop that i wouldn't do the fourth event okay. but still wanted to do i i had a had a bit of a dream for a couple of years to have a crack at doing 200 miles yeah um uh, which is 320 kilometers and so i ended it's up doing that event Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> yeah in november <laughs> i started on my birthday yeah. and ran from my my door literally from walked out my front door and ran to the Sunshine Coast. So, it was 320 kilometers in one go. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that was just another, you know, the super slam thing. It's just an an arbitrary thing that I come up with um, to see if it was possible. And unfortunately, I didn't get it done. But I mean, I've got many ideas of of other stuff like that that I want to do, so.
0: Yeah, it's still, it's just major respect for me to just to even contemplate having a crack at (laughs) something like that. It's just... Yeah, it's mind-blowing so yeah and then of course we've got we, that leads us to um to the event that you came down here for and uh yeah I, I remember a few weeks i don't know how long ago it was maybe a couple of months ago is the first time you you messaged me and we had a few little chats and stuff and then you know, i knew you were coming down for uh for this down under 135 mile race and uh and last, well, a bit over a week ago, I guess, I, was, I remember I was, I was talking to my wife in the afternoon thinking, oh, Matt's, Matt's coming down for this race and, uh, you know, we've never met before. I don't really, I've spoken a little bit through uh, online messaging and, uh, you know, he seems like a good guy. I wonder if it'd be like too forward of me to, you know, to just say, oh, hey, Matt, you, do you need a, an extra crew member? You know, <laughs> I thought, yeah. Oh is it do I know him? maybe I don't know him well enough you know <laughs> I was probably overthinking things you know but, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah anyway I had that conversation with my wife and she goes just ask him I can't hurt so uh, I thought yeah all right I'll, I'll write him a message tonight and I'll see and anyway I opened up Facebook to write you a message and there was a message from you asking me if I wanted to be on the crew so that was um, that was pretty cool yeah and uh, yeah so thanks for asking me yeah of course and, thanks uh, for coming yeah, so how, how was that event then? Like well first of all, like you you're an ambassador of the event, so can we talk about that first as well? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so i <laughs> Tegan always gives me a hard because like I randomly get a list, you know, I can get I get free kits sometimes and oh, yeah. um, different opportunities come up and it's like how do you get all this stuff? I'm like I got a I got a little saying that I have in life is like, don't ask, don't get. Yeah. So when I found out about this event I uh, you know, it seemed like a crazy, you know, good thing that I'd, I'd be interested in. So, I messaged the boys and said, you know, have you thought about having an ambassador for the race? Uh, basically, it's like a um, an ambassador is like somebody they use for promotion yeah. and uh, to talk about the race and get the word out and whatever. And they said that they hadn't, but um, they'd have a meeting about it and have it because there's four four guys that organise the race. Yeah. They come back and said that they'd be keen for me to do it. So I got the opportunity to come down. They flew me down to, oh, cool. yeah, to do, uh, to do a photo shoot and some video and stuff on the course. Some um, amazing photos I've seen. There was, mate, head yeah, head. yeah, yeah, and that that tied in with. Uh, there's a new magazine out in Australia in hard copy now called uh, Trail Run Magazine, oh, yeah. um, which is fantastic. Everyone should check out. Yeah, I uh, looked
0: at I looked at the website. Yeah, but, uh, I haven't actually seen the magazine itself, but I should, yeah. I'll definitely get a copy.
1: Yeah, so they did a really great article about me in there, which was. Um, pretty mind-blowing and got to do the photo shoot yeah. and um, and yeah, that that was all like in, I think it was October and then we found out about the shop in late November and got the keys and all right. I remember in December, my wife sort of saying, oh, I just, I don't know if you should be doing this yeah. event, you know, it's a lot of commitment for when you got so much else going on and, you know, I'm always never one to shy away from a challenge, so I decided to keep doing it and I'd, I'd already committed as the ambassador and yeah. did what training I could um, and yeah, came down with my mate Kevy from uh, from up in Begara and uh, made contact with you, and you graciously said yes to, to helping me out, and yeah. and gave it a chop. So, yeah,
0: and it was uh, so. What was the event then? Like it, it was, it was a it was a crazy event to me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was. So Look,
1: it's um they wanted to basically create the hardest uh, running event in Australia, and I really personally believe I've done quite a few uh challenging and hard events in australia and i I believe that that that's the one yeah. so it's 100 it was 135 miles which is 217 Ks uh about an hour west of of Melbourne in uh, in a national park out there with had uh, I think it's about eight or nine thousand meters of climbing uh, okay. over the event
0: close, close enough to climbing Everest yeah yeah of Everest, it's yeah crazy. so
1: I mean there, there are other events with similar sort of climbing but the the extra challenge in this event was how technical it was um how tedious some of the trails were uh and just super challenging so yeah they they certainly did their job of uh of making one of the hardest of all well, the hardest event in australia i think
0: yeah well I've obviously i've not run any ultras myself and i've never even been to witness one until the weekend and um it was just mind-blowing how hard things were i remember I was probably 50k or so in. We uh we caught up with you and you sat down for a little snack and a drink and your calves like major cramping in your calves and you're not even a quarter of the race done yet and uh and yeah just to that was you weren't the only one suffering. Everyone was suffering and just to see the amount of pain people were in, both mentally and physically, and just to keep going was uh yeah incredible. And you know I know you didn't finish the race, which obviously you're a bit disappointed in, but um. But yeah, I don't think it
1: should be because it was—it was just incredible to witness. So, I mean, to yeah. give to give people, it's really hard for people who don't run, or even some trail runners that may have run simple trails, uh, to get their head around sort of how difficult it was. But I mean, in comparison, I've run on trail up at the Sunshine Coast. I've run uh, 50k in like four hours and 35 minutes, which it's not super fast, but it's not it's not a slouch time either mm. but uh in this event um the first 50k took about 11 and a half to 12 hours yeah um and it was in, and and that was going reasonably solid too so it was incredibly challenging um uh mentally you know we'll probably get into this but yeah. uh due to starting the shop and and the first three months being uh i didn't get a lot of sleep in the first three months and uh, you know, I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning to train, and uh, just not ideal mental preparation either. Yeah. With my mind on on other things. Fair enough with yeah. the shop. Uh, I just I probably wasn't in the right mental space to be tackling something so large. It takes obviously a lot of mental strength to get through something like that. Uh, physically, I probably could have got through um, based on my previous running experience. Um, I didn't do quite as much training as I would have liked to, but uh, in the end it was probably the mental game and also my stomach went south and could barely eat or drink anything for about five or six hours so yeah pulled up stumps at after 18 hours and just shy of 90ks i think it was so, yeah yeah
0: so you think you'll be back to have another crack
1: i think so i yeah. said to you and kevy like yeah. i like i like really difficult events but i usually like a little more running yeah um and there wasn't a lot of running in that it was a lot of really hard hiking and trail finding and bushwhacking and but uh, I don't like things beating me either. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd really like to come back and it's a kind of event uh anyone that's heard of the Barkley Marathon in uh in America, they've tried to sort of create something similar to that. Yeah. And it's a type of event that people could come back to for a couple of years and not finish it's that difficult, so Yeah. Yeah, look, I don't like things beating me, so I think I think I'll be back next <laughs> no, year. For sure. Joe, yeah. Good to hear, because yeah. I want a crew for you. Yeah, yeah, we'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be able to pace a bit further this time, mate. Yeah,
0: well, who, knows? who yeah. knows? it definitely has got me thinking about what could be possible for me to do in my life, Matt. Whether it's running or kayaking or who knows what, it's just, uh, yeah, you can't you can't help but. Um, challenge yourself i think and challenge your beliefs about what's possible after mm. uh witnessing what i witnessed on the weekend for sure
1: we were just talking about that you know we went out for a, for some uh, brunch as you call it down here in melbourne and uh you know just talking about that you know regardless of what it is whatever your sport or in life in general but finding where that comfort zone ends and what your limits are and i think it's an endless pursuit and that's what's so great about endurance events and whether you you know, you get into your kayaking again or running or long distance scootering, mate, who knows? <laughs> you know, like yeah. um there's an old mate, there's a skateboard around Australia, you know, like I saw that. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you just I think that's what's so great about endurance events. You never know where your limits are and I don't I personally don't know we ever reach them fully. It's uh, it's it's just a pursuit of finding how far we can push ourselves yeah. and yeah, where we can go.
0: Yeah, so how do you find the limits? Then I you say you haven't found your limit, but um, but you know, like I said, you were you were sitting down, having a little drink, and and trying to get some food into you without much success, and your calves were cramping, and your muscles were doing crazy things that I haven't seen before, <laughs> and and uh, you know, a mere mortal would have wouldn't have dealt with that, and you got up and did another fifty k's after that, so. You know, how does how does that happen? How do you get your mind around getting up and taking one more step let alone doing another 50Ks when you're in the obvious pain that I saw you in? Yeah. Like how What goes on in your head for that to happen? I, th-
1: I think a lot of that comes through training. Uh, you know, I really... I learned from one of my favorite runners uh, Anton Kripiczka like it's about the daily grind you know, just waking up every day um, and you don't feel like it every day but getting up every day and running and taking one step and getting out the door. And I think I don't... Another strength of mine, I think, is I don't overthink things. So, you know, to me, generally, it's like... If you think about how far you've got to run or how hard the course is or whatever, you would probably never do it. Uh, whereas if you just think, all right, I've just got to take this step, I've just got to get through this hill, I've just got to get to the next aid station, just breaking it down into little portions... Um, I think that that really helps. Um, like when I did the 200 mile event, like you think about like, I don't like driving to the Sunshine Coast. <laughs> so, you know, like you think about it like that and you, you'd you never do it. But if you just think I've got three or four days and all I've got to do is keep moving, uh, you know, and enjoy this experience and, you know, it's not going to be easy, but at the end, you're going to have a pretty cool story and, and probably learn some good life lessons along the way. I think that, you just break it down like that then yeah. you never know what's possible.
0: Yeah, well, I can relate to that. Obviously it's a totally different thing, but um yeah, at the beginning of my year of eating only potatoes, it, it was a really daunting thing for me to think that I'm going to eat only this for the, for an entire year. It was like it was mind-blowing to me to think that another 365 days I'm still going to be eating this. Yeah. So I tried to just forget about that and just think about I'm just going to eat it for my next meal.
1: That's that, an that's endurance it. event in yeah. itself, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, a very different kind of endurance event, obviously. But the point is that I can relate to what you were saying about there's no point worrying about what's going to happen 200 miles down the road. Yeah. Yeah. let just think about the moment that you're in. Exactly right, yeah. And uh, Being present. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so you, you said that the lead-up wasn't good for your, for your mental um, state leading into this race with, you know, so much else going on in your life. So, did that affect your ability to be present in the moment during the race, do you think?
1: Yeah, look, I'd... Probably in hindsight, in a little while, I'll be able to put my finger on a little bit more. But, you know, I rung my wife and got a bit emotional and I just... I, I didn't really even know and I still probably don't really even know what what was wrong, but I just... Yeah, it's still pretty fresh. Yeah like, yeah. yeah, like physically, I was... It was hard, but I was, you know... I was going all right, uh, yeah. and moving quite well, but just mentally, I just, I just, my head wasn't in the right place that it should have been. And you've got to be, you know, if it's if it's your first 5K or if it's your first 135 mile event, your head's got to be 100% in the game. And and as I said, that comes over a series of months leading up to an event, uh, training, focusing on what you've got to do, visualization, meditation, thinking about. You know the job at hand, and because I've had so much on the go with starting a new business, uh, I I didn't give that the attention it deserved, and that I think probably just on flow to the event and and probably contributed to that that lack of uh, mental clarity to to get the job done. Hmm. So yeah,
0: yeah, and an event like that, it, it's so mind-blowingly hard that you know to me. You seem incredibly mentally tough on the day, but you know. I guess if you if if it's one or two percent off, that's enough to mean you know that it's just you're at the extreme level here. And to if you can only if you're only working at ninety nine percent of your mental capacity, then
1: you're probably not going to get the job done. So, mm. and yeah. I probably um I probably didn't give uh, starting a new business the credit it deserved either. Yeah, like people were saying to me you know you've been too hard on yourself you know this is yeah. a big endeavor and yeah cuz i always like taking on challenges so I yeah
0: that's an ultra marathon in itself yeah, yeah yeah
1: and i i probably didn't give that the credit it deserved um and the you know the energy that it took out of me and i've never ever gone into an event um without 100% uh focus and you know i i was focused on the event i i start i never start an event without the intent of finishing but um I've never been in an event where mentally I just was not there. Yeah. Uh, so it was an interesting place and it's it is really disappointing, you know. I woke up the day after and I wished I was still out there and yeah. you know, everything's oh, good in job. hindsight yeah, when yeah. you've had a shower and you yeah, had yeah. A, had some sleep, but um yeah, and it, it sounds silly, but you know, you you almost feel unvalidated, you know. I've done yeah. I did eighteen hours of out the trail. Yeah. And you're <laughs> like Oh, I don't deserve to be sore, and you know, like, but it's silly, (laughs) you know. But when you don't get the job done that you'd hope that, you know, it's it's hard to swallow. But it is what it is, and and I'm glad that I made the decision, as disappointing as it is, but it was the right decision at the time.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's important, I think, that you uh, you feel comfortable with the decision you made, because that was something that uh, personally I thought it was the right decision at the time too, but it was a worry to me that you would be disappointed. Yeah. The next day, and yeah. and uh, you know we
1: can't you can't win everything. That's um, yeah. It's and really where my stomach concern. went south, mate, like I, that was probably in the back of my head as well. Getting crook in the race in October last year and being in hospital, and yeah, I don't want my kids seeing me like that, and yeah. you know I want to be laying in a hospital in Melbourne with my family and just still at home, and so that was probably a bit in the back of my mind, yeah. um, and I knew that my body was starting to go the way that it went when I got. Crook uh, in October, so yeah, it was the right decision.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's good, and yeah. uh, there's always next year. There is, <laughs>
1: there is. Yeah,
0: so. My wife actually had a question because oh. I, I told her when I got back I told her about the run that I shared. That I was lucky enough to share with you where we unfortunately we took a wrong turn and uh, you got me lost, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> we you got know, back on track pretty we, quick. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, we ended up doing 16, 17 k's instead of 10. But uh, anyway, what you know, what's yeah. a few extra k's between friends? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it. But uh, yeah, I, I just told her a little bit about the conversation that we had, and you know, part of me wishes we just recorded that conversation and <laughs> just yeah. uh, you know make that the podcast but anyway she's I like having a chat while I'm running and but me and my wife sometimes go running together and she just likes to be quiet and run and we still have a good time we run next to each other and we just every now and then we talk for a minute or two but other than that we just run quietly and and I'm fine with it and she's fine with it but she she felt like that if she was doing an event like this then she would just want to be quiet and go inside herself and just uh, try to block out the outside world entirely and she thought it was interesting that that wasn't what, well, at least when I was running with you, that wasn't what you wanted to do. So what do you, is that normal for you or what do you
1: think? Is it a distraction thing? Do you like to be distracted while you're running or yeah, how, how does it work? Yes and no. Um, I like being present and in the moment and thinking about what you got to do, but if you got company, like yeah. potential like i had a 48-hour cutoff like yeah. it's a long time to be in your own head yeah so you know when you can have paces and and friends nearby or other competitors um i love to have you know i love yeah. to hear about people and what they're up to and stories and um it definitely helps the time pass you know you run with a friend it seems way quicker than yeah you know, running on your own so yeah i love conversation and usually yeah. I don't know what it is, but running seems to bring a vulnerability about people, and yeah, uh, some of the best conversations I've had are, are on runs. And you know, I've had friends that have started crying when we've been running, and you know, it's it, yeah, it's a real I think uh, emotion opener, if you will, and brings out some really good conversations. So yeah, I like I love chatting on a run.
0: Definitely, yeah, it's yeah. interesting because Mandy's. The most talkative person I know, but when we run, no talking. Yeah, right. And there were other people out there. I don't know if they were like that the whole way during the event, but there was a few blokes that when they came in to the aid stations, they just nod. Yeah. Or maybe say hi, and yeah. that's it. And yep. Eat some food, sit in silence for a few minutes, and then off they go. Yeah. So everyone's different. Hey? They
1: each to their own, yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about your training then. We'll, we'll, we should probably wrap it up pretty soon. But what what does training involve for you? You said you know you get up early and with the with the shop things are different so maybe let's talk about ideal training what your ideal training sort of day or week would involve and then how you adapted it to yeah yeah having a new business and that yeah. sort of thing yeah When do you have okay yeah we'll pause it and, and we'll get back to it in a sec all right we're back
1: we're back we're back
0: so yeah the uh your training what, what your ideal training week is like and you know what you do because i think people are going to get value from Um, you know you you struggled having a new business trying to fit everything in so how you make it work in a in a tough situation and then also what your perfect uh, training week would be
1: yeah so uh, everyone has a little bit different ideals on uh, on training Um, I personally think if you run a long way you've got to be training a long way and you've got to have uh, some serious miles under your belt so I've always been what they call a high mileage trainer Uh, generally it ebbs and flows a bit depending on the event that you're working towards and where you are in your training cycle. But usually I aim for 100 to 160Ks a week uh, as far as sheer volume goes. And then I mix it up with a little bit of different training because the town that I'm
2: We've dropped out. Hang on. Stop being... Hang on. The sound's dropped out. I think we're back. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, we're back. Are we back?
3: Yep. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> did we get all that previous stuff? No, we did. Just right yeah, when cool. I said, well, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So just a bit of cross training stuff as well. Like, I think we literally live in one of the flattest towns in Australia, which is interesting when I do mountain events, and we also have no trails, which is also interesting when I do trail events. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I've got a few different training techniques that I, I was going to say. How do you
2: deal with that? Like,
3: yeah. So I try and get to the trails when I can and i go to the sunny coast from time to time and train with friends. Uh, but uh, I've got a big like SUV car tire that I drag around. I've got this step machine that I get oh, yeah. on. So that's to simulate
2: going uphill. Yeah, yep. just
3: make things a bit tougher. And, yep. you know, uh, the step machine is definitely a similar action to to climbing steep hills. Yep. Uh, and then get down on the road. A new thing I've started doing is a lot of the beaches in Bundy are um, uh, rock. So I get down on the rocks and try and move as quickly as I can. Just uh, Yeah, okay. Yeah, try and mix things up a little bit so that's sort of ideal uh you know my base sort of training just maintaining is around usually around 100k a week and then as i said with the cycles getting close to an event i try and push it up to around 160k a week but yeah yeah with opening the shop mate it's been it's been hard i've been opening each day and we open at six so i'm in the shop at 5 30 so that means generally three o'clock wake-ups uh and trying to squeeze in an hour and a half before quickly showering and getting to the shop um, and then long runs on, on my days off. So, and then some doubles as well. So I'll do yeah. some of that cross training in the afternoons, but I, I really try and get things done early. Uh, I, I've always, since I've got into running, cause it is a time intensive, uh, sport. I'd always try and minimize the time impact on my family. So I try and get the training done before they wake up or the majority yeah. of it anyway, and then having the afternoons with them. And even if it's a bit of cross training, they, they get involved sometimes and, yeah. um, yeah, so I drag the tyre around and they come with me and... Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And it's
2: good an exa- a good
3: example for the kids as well. Yeah, it's so. funny at the moment because I think... I said the other day, I'm like, I wonder if they think that I've stopped running because I go so early now. Yeah, yeah. They used to see me at least come home, yeah. but now I sort of get home, shower and leave before they get up. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if they still think I run <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. Um. So, that pretty much does it. But uh, I wondered if you wanted to talk about any future plans
3: you might have or... Oh, man, I've got so many future yeah. plans. I've got lots of different, as I said, uh, projects that I want to do. Um, unfortunately, a lot of it comes down to not the time. Things not such a big deal at the moment because I do my own business and uh, I can probably work that a little bit, but a lot of it does come come down to expense. Um, so I've got a lot of events. I want to do some races in the States uh, and there's some really great events over there and I just want to go and cruise around Boulder and run in the mountains over yeah. there and uh, I'd love to go and do that and do some races over there uh, and then there's also some some self-powered adventures that I want to do a dream that I've had for three or four years is I want to have a crack at breaking the record um, running from the westernmost to the easternmost point of Australia uh, yeah that sounds so, insane yeah, yeah so that's, that's <laughs> a, that it's uh, just over 4,000 k's and it works the record I think is basically you got to be doing about 100k a day um, for wow. yeah, for a month and a half. So, um, that's Oof. taken. I think I think I'm getting to the point where, as a runner, I'm I'm nearly ready to tackle that. So maybe in the next yeah. couple of years. Uh, but again, it's you know it's an expense thing. But uh, I think with something like that, I might be able to get on some some sponsors and stuff maybe. And yeah, yeah. So really, just uh, that's I'll, as far I'll provide as provide the spuds, mate. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's as far as um running events go. Um, I'm as i alluded to earlier you know my my uh plant-based vegan journey has sort of evolved a little bit now to more being focused on uh the environmental impacts and um and ethical treatment of animals and trying to be the best uh vegan advocate i can uh in my community and and through my running it's a good platform to to speak about that sort of stuff uh and show what can be done you know as a lot of my role models have yeah um a couple of which you've had on the podcast yeah (laughs) Uh, so yeah so that's that and and then just the day to day mate like to me the day to day grind is the most important thing training as I can being the best dad and husband I can and being the best best human I can and treating people above and beyond what I I would like people to treat me and um, trying to make each day better than the one before so yeah that's
2: that's perfect mate and that's a that's a good way to finish it but before we do I've got one more question without notice but uh, anyway, the someone like me, I'm you know, last year was the year of spuds for me. I'm spud fit though. This year is the year of fit, right? I want to try to be seriously fit or as fit as I can be by the end of the year. So, you know, if you've if you got a little uh, one or two sentences that you can offer me to help me on my way or to help anyone listening on their way towards getting fitter and... You
3: know. uh, consistency yeah. is a massive thing and doing something every day. So yeah uh the old saying rome wasn't built in a day and it's the exact same with uh with fitness and an endurance base. you know do something every day and those little somethings will build into big somethings and those big somethings will build into who knows what
2: all right perfect yeah uh well yeah it's it's been an honor to sit down with you and uh, and talk just like it was an honor to run with you and uh and crew for you over the weekend and uh yeah. So thank you. And uh, like I, I've said about lots of my guests, is uh, you know I, I want to talk with people and learn from people uh, that, are, that do things differently and are not afraid to um, challenge the status quo. And uh, and I think that uh, spending time with people like that can help me to grow and learn as a person. And yeah, you're definitely a, a fit the bill for that. And uh, yeah. I've, uh, you've taught me a lot and I've learned a lot about myself and so thank you
3: mate. I, I thank you you know I really appreciate you coming out and giving up your weekend and um, and your wife letting you come out and you know giving up your weekend to that you could have spent with her to come out and run around the bush with me and um, <laughs> I really appreciate it man, and I hope we can keep in touch and we got some you know we've spoken about some cool adventures and ideas and yeah. anything I can do to to help up my way uh, you know just let me know so oh, cool. yeah. same goes mate yeah thanks mate
2: alright well Thank you and uh, spud up, spud up. <laughs>
0: well, there you have it. Matt Grills, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree, an inspiring individual with a really has led a really interesting life and has uh, got some wisdom from all these experiences that he's had. So thank you, Matt, for sharing that with us. And thanks everyone for listening. Again, if you want to uh, keep up a bit more with what Matt's doing, you can visit his, uh, his cafe page, the journey Bagara, go and visit and have a coffee. Uh, You can also find him at adventures and activism on all the uh, various social medias. You just you can go to his website as well. Just look up the Tattoo Runner. Thanks again for listening. Uh, before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could give me uh, uh, a review on iTunes. Subscribe to this show if you like it. Share it with your friends. That'd be great. Uh, again, check out the Dackery dot com if you'd like some extremely comfortable and beautiful works of art to wear on your on your legs and keep you warm over the winter. Uh, check out my book spud uh the the DIY spud fit challenge available on amazon and also available through my website spudfit.com uh i think that's it from me uh why don't you guys go out and go running and reevaluate what's possible spud up everyone